0: Better myself. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parasha for Wednesday, October 27, 2021, or honestly, whenever you're listening to it, it's the right day. Okay, so we are in middle of the Torah portion of Chaisara, which talks about the aftermath, what happens after the passing of Sarah. Now, why is it called Chaïsar, the Life of Sarah? I spoke about that a few days ago, and we're gonna elaborate on that tonight at our Wednesday night Torah studies class. Tonight's class will, will be focused on the life and legacy of our matriarch, Sarah. Sarah, Sarah. And we'll be exploring that in depth. So don't miss this tonight at 730. But for right now, we are in the middle of the rom-com, we're in the middle of the drama of finding a shidduch for Isaac. Finding a, Shidduch means a match, finding a mate, finding a uh, spouse for Isaac, for Yitzchak. Avram and Sarah at, at an older age finally have this boy, and he's Yitzchak, Isaac. He grows up, and it's time to get married. His father says, we need to find him a wife from the old country, from my family back home, back in the, uh, the Aram Naraim. Although we live here in Canaan, the local girls are not for him. He can't go there. We need to send Eliezer. Eliezer is his trusted servant. He is dispatched on this mission. And as we said in the last few days, he makes a deal with God. He prays to God. He says, God... Please help me, if not for my sake, then for the sake of Abraham, my master. Hi, Ray. Good to see you. Welcome. And he says, look, I'm going to go to the well, and the girl that, and I'll ask a girl for some who's carrying a pitcher for some water. And if she says, here's some water, and also for your camels, I'll know that she is the one. And he doesn't even finish saying that when a girl approaches with a flask, fills it up with water. He asks her, he can't believe this, he asks her, could I have some water? She says, sure. Oh. And your camels too. And she goes back and forth and fills up the water, fills up the trough with the water, and the camels are drinking. And he is shocked and astonished. His mouth is agape. He's I cannot believe this is happening exactly as I asked. And then he asks, he pops the question, "Who's your family?" And you have a place for me to stay. And she says, "My family is." She says the whole family tree from the ape from from the family of Avram. It's from the right family. So the lineage is there. And a place to stay, yes, we have place for you and your animals by us. The man is Eliezer, the servant is overjoyed. Let's pick it up, pick up the narrative. Hopefully that was a quick recap. And Torah reading for Chaisar, reading number four, here we go. And Eliezer said, he, remember, he's never referred to by name in this entire section, even though we know who he was. Um, indicating how selfless, how, how transparent he was in this process. It was never about him, Eliezer. Look at Eliezer. It's, he's on a mission, and that's his entire identity is, the facilitator of a mission for Abraham and Isaac. And he said to, um, to Rebecca, Blessed is the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth from my master. As for me... The Lord led me on the road to the house of my master's kinsman. He basically offers a prayer of thanksgiving. Tashem, he says, Baruch Hashem. Look at that line. Baruch Hashem. You know, you ask somebody, how are you doing? Baruch Hashem. means thank God, right? Baruch Hashem. Thank God. So he's the first one that says Baruch Hashem. First one that says Baruch Hashem. Thank God. Blessed is the Lord. Thank God. Blessed is the Lord. Right? right? Who has not forsaken his kindness from my master. And for me, and as for me, he led me. He led me on the road straight to find the girl that was from the house of my master's kinsman, Mishpacha. We found the right family. Okay, meanwhile, and the maiden ran. So Rebecca, remember her name is Rebecca, Rivka. Rebecca ran home. And she told her mother's house what had happened. She told her mother's house what had happened, okay. Rashi explains, it was customary for women to have a house in which to stay to do their work. And a daughter confined, confides only in her mother. Look at that. Now we know. Daughters should confide in, in moms. I'm te- so here's my feeling on this. We'll, we'll make an exception with our Rivka, with our Rebecca, a.k.a. Riva. Our, our daughter's name is, uh, is Rivka. We call her Riva, but her name is Rivka, Rebecca. So she'll, we'll let her confide also in her dad, says her dad. Her dad says we'll also have, that that will also be open. That door will always be open. And just FYI, we don't have separate homes. We have just one house for for the all of us. But anyway, um, but it's interesting because back in the day, they would have, it says, Rashi says, according from the Medrash, Genesis, B'Ratius, Rabba right here, that's the source, that women would have their own house to do, maybe a little hut, a tent, whatever it was, to do their own stuff. Um, Whatever that was. And so she runs home to her mother. Says, you'll never believe who I met at the well today. <laughs> okay, a stranger with a, with a lot of camels who were very thirsty. Now let's continue. Now Rebecca had a brother whose name was Lavan or Laban. I'm going to call him Lavan because that's how I know him. Lavan. So she, Lavan was her brother. And Lavan... Laban ran to the man outside to the fountain. So he hears that there's a visitor. And by the way, he sees that. as uh, The Torah says the next verse. Okay, so he runs outside to the man. Now, why did he run outside to the man? What does he care if there's some dude looking for a place to stay? Why is he so excited? Because look at verse 30. And it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's hands, he saw the gold. Are you with me on this? He saw the bling. So love...
1: who Mark was talking about yesterday. Yeah, Rebecca. That's I
0: exactly what, I'm, what I believe. Yes. Rebecca was in it to was in it for the right reason. It's a loved one whose like, eyes flash with dollar signs and gold. Like, oh my gosh, bling. Look at my sister. She just got all hooked up. I'm in. So he when he sees the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's hands, by the way, Joy, I agree with you. Don't worry. So, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebecca saying, "So did the man speak to me?" In other words, such and such is what he said. So, when he saw the jewelry and heard the narrative, heard the story that he came to the man. He again, he ran. This is verse story is explaining what happens in verse twenty nine, right? He ran to the man. So, when he heard, why did he do that? When he saw the jewelry and heard the story that he came to the man, and behold. He was standing over the camels at the fountain. He was still there at the fountain. He was still there by the well. And he said, So Lavan says to him, Come, you who are blessed of the Lord. Clearly, you're blessed. You got a lot of money. You got a lot of jewelry. So come, you who are blessed by the Lord. Why should you stand outside? When I've cleared the house, now maybe the, the fountain, maybe there's a fountain outside the house, maybe it wasn't the well. I'm not sure. Maybe there's a Rashi. Let's, let's see if we can get some clarification where this fountain was. Did he not go with her? Or did he go with her? But there were fountains outside. If there were fountains outside, then why was she going to the well to draw water? I'm assuming the fountains means the original well. I just hope you understand what I'm, I'm thought processing in my head right now. Anyway, let's continue. So he says, hey, why are you standing outside? Why are you here when we've cleared the house? We've, we've uh, made space for you and we've cleared a place for the camels. I would assume, here's what happens. Okay, you ready? I'm just gonna fill in the gaps. I'm gonna make up the story here. You guys ready? Done. Eliezer meets Rivka, Rebecca. They have the schmooze. He's blown away at how this is worked. He gives her the jewelry. Do you have a place to stay for me and the camels? Yes, she runs home to get everything ready. And the plan is when it's ready, They'll get him and he'll come there. In other words, why he's going to show up, not show up at the door. Hey, I'm here to stay. It's like, no one's ready. So he hangs out by the water fountain. And when it's time for him to head over to the house, they'll call him. So who, who's the one that's the fetcher? Who's the fetcher? If there's such a word. It's love and it's the brother. Rebecca's brother. He's running back to say, hey, you can come over now. All right? And he is also checking out the wealth. Let's continue inside. So the man came. That means Eliezer, to the house and unmuzzled the camels. Why were the camels, camels muzzled? Remember, these were Abraham's camels. We already have had a discussion with Lot. Remember, the shepherds of Abraham and the shepherds of Lot had a whole kerfuffle, and it was about whether the animals should be grazing in other people's property. So he muzzled the camels that they wouldn't eat food that didn't belong to, that wasn't public domain food that belonged to someone else. That would not be kosher, it would be theft. Theft by camel by camel consumption, so that's not kosher, right? So camel consumption theft simply is not okay. So now that he's at the house of the host, so he feels more comfortable to unmuzzle the camels, and he gave straw and fodder to the camels, and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. So Eliezer is now relaxing, he's got his animals, By the way, here we learn a beautiful value. Who eats first, the animals or the people? You notice, the man came to the house, unmuzzled the camels, right? He gave straw and fodder to the camels and water to wash up. And then the next verse, food was set before him to eat. You see that? So who did they feed first? The animals. This is canonized in Jewish law, where it says in the code of Jewish law that if you have animals, you have to make sure that you take care of your animals before yourself. So make sure we're feeding all of our animals. Okay? Bo, do you hear me? Is bo. <laughs> Alright, we are advocating for animals. Here we go. So they came, they unmuzzled the camels, they gave food, and then they washed up. They washed their feet and the feet of the man, so Eliezer's feet and the other. It was a thing, by the way. I don't know what they wore back in the day. Did they wear shoes? Sandals? Either way, they didn't have like foot gear that we have now with socks and, and leather. And Their feet got dirty. So one of the things they would do is wash their feet. So they're washing their feet. Verse 33, And the food was set before him to eat. They put down. They, they start, started serving Eliezer food. But he said, listen. Look what he says. I will not eat. Until I've spoken my words, I'm not going to eat until I deliver my message. Let me explain. Eliezer was on a mission. And I said this yesterday, and I said this again today. When you're on a mission, you, you, don't, you don't exist. The only thing that exists is the mission. On the highest level of being an emissary, the highest level of shlichut is where you don't exist. The only thing that exists is the mission. You are but. A, a transparent facilitator. You're just moving along with the mission. So they give Eliezer food. Eliezer says, I'm not thinking about myself, my hunger, my needs, before I, f- I finish this mission, this mission. I need to lock down the mission, fulfill the mission, and then I can think about myself. Until then, it's not about me. It's about the mission. What was the mission? Get a girl, or get the girl, Get the one. He still didn't get the one. He met someone who he thinks might be a good candidate, might be the, the candidate, but he still hasn't spoken to the family. He's not going to kidnap her, right? God forbid. He has to speak, get consent, schmooze, it, schmooze them up. I mean, that's what. That's what so he's, the mission is not over yet. So no food, no eating until then. And he said, Love and said back to him, Speak. Why, why did Lavan, why was Lovin in charge? So Rashi, Rashi explains. Uh, not here, one second. What does Rashi explain? Um, all right. Uh, there's a Rashi somewhere that says, essentially... That Lavan took control of the situation. Besuel, the father, passed away. And then Lavan took control. He was in charge. Uh, Anyway, so they give him food. Eliezer says, let me speak. And they say, and he says, speak. And he said, Eliezer says, let me introduce myself. I am Abraham's servant. By the way, in the Hebrew, it doesn't say I am. First. It says, Evet Avraham Anochi, the servant of Abraham am I. He puts himself last. Right? The servant of Abraham am I. I am Abraham's servant. In the English, it could sound a little bit boastful. I am Abraham's servant. But in the Hebrew, it's actually reversed. The servant of Abraham am I. So he's, again, self nullification. This is like. Becoming transparent. I I don't exist. Abraham exists. I'm just a servant of Abraham. And the Lord, he continues. And the Lord blessed my master exceedingly. And he became great. That means on every level. Spiritually, fame-wise, financially. And he gave him, God gave Abraham, my master, sheep and cattle, silver and gold, manservants and maidservants, camels and donkeys. Ten of which I have outside, right? Or in in the stables. So he says, Abraham is exceedingly wealthy. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master after she had become old. And he, Abraham, gave him, Isaac, all that he possesses. And he pulled out the document that says everything is given to Isaac as a dowry. And my master adjured me. My master made me promise, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. No girls from the Canaanites. They're all they're too steeped in idolatry. Instead, you must go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. Eliezer is recounting the dialogue between Abraham and him. Abraham, my master, called me in and he said, We got to find a wife. Not from here, though. Go home go back home where I, came, where, I where I come from, find the wife. And then I said to my master, you see what's going on here. He's literally, Eliezer is literally recounting the dialogue that happened that we read about, that happened between him and Abraham, how this mission got started. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. Maybe she won't wanna maybe she won't wanna come back. And he said to me, That the Lord before whom I walked will send his angel with you. In other words, I I voiced my concern about how this is going to work to Abraham. And what did Abraham tell me? Trust in God. Trust in Hashem. Hashem will send his angel with you and make your way prosper. In other words, you have nothing to be afraid of, nothing to fear. Only have faith and confidence. And you shall take a wife for my son, for my family, and for my father's house. He's dropping clues dropping clues. He's telling the family of Rebecca, telling this girl's family that, look, I was as skeptical as you guys. What are the odds that I'm going to meet the right one? Like, how's that going to work? But Abraham told me, and you know, Abraham, he's your cousin or whatever it is, right? Abraham, your relative, he said, God is with me and will provide signs and angels and, and, and make it happen. Nope, it's happened. You will then be Eliezer recounts that Abraham told him, you will then be absolved from my oath when you come to my family and if they do not give her to you, you will be absolved from my oath. In other words, if you try but don't succeed but you gave it to good old college try, then nothing, no, no hard feelings. So Eliezer continues. So that was the, that's how we got started with this. So I came today to the fountain. Our sages tell us he left, that day, and arrived that day. He had kfitzat haderach, which means a shortening of the road. It's like a miracle where travel takes much, much, much quicker. I came today to the fountain, miraculously, and I said, I offer my prayer, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you desire to prosper my way upon which I am going, God, please make me successful. Behold, I am standing by the water fountain. When a maiden comes out to draw water, I will say to her, please give me a little water to drink from your pitcher. Again, he's retelling his deal with God, retelling his sign. When I see a girl that comes out to draw, I'll ask for a little water from her pitcher. And if she will say to me, you too may drink, and I will also draw water for your camels. She is the woman whom the Lord has designated for my master's son. That's how I know that she's the one. Continues, Eliezer is being completely transparent. About how this mission got started, what his deal with God was, and what happened next. I had not yet finished speaking thus in my heart. And behold, Rebekah came out with a pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down to the fountain to draw water. And I said to her, please give me a drink. And she hastened and lowered her pitcher from upon her. And she said, drink, and I will also water your camels. So I drank. And she also watered the camels. And she also watered the camels. Sorry. The emphasis on the right word there. Okay, so I, I, I made a sign and it panned out. It says Eliezer to the family of Rebekah of this young girl. And I asked her and I said, whose daughter are you? And she replied, the daughter of Basul, the son of Nachar, whom And I placed the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her hands. I gave her the jewelry. After what? Says Eliezer. After I made the sign with God about the girl in the pitcher and the water and the camels. And after the sign came to fruition, exactly as described. And after I asked her who she was, and she said she was from the the family of of Abraham, of Avram's family, which is the perfect family that I'm looking for. Afterwards, I placed the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her hands. Now, the truth is, it's not true. That's not what happened. In the story that we read, as it happened in real time, he gives her the jewelry before he asks her About her family. Because he was so sure that this was the one he had given her the jewelry. But when repeating it to the family, he wanted to make it sound like he's not so, you know, out there. Not so, uh, you know, crazy mishuga. So he only gave her the jewelry after he had checked in on the family and after she had replied. You understand what's going on here? This is what Rashi... Yeah.
1: Rabbi, also, so I was just reading from yesterday's Rashi, that the two bracelets signify... The two tablets with yes. the Ten commandments
0: on it. Yes, you see that? Jewelry. Donna, jewelry. We, <laughs> gotta do, we gotta do a jewelry, two bracelets. By the way, Donna and I spoke yesterday, and Hanukkah. coming up in a few weeks. Before Hanukkah, we're doing a jewelry, necklace, bracelet, workshop, called Menorah in the Window. It's going to be stunning. Whether you're, you want to do it in person or online, either way, you can do it. We'll send you the kit or you'll pick it up. It's going to be amazing. So, yeah, look at this. nose ring. I don't know if we're going to do a nose ring per se, but okay, we can do bracelets. I always find it interesting. Whenever we get to the nose ring thing, it's like, our matriarch Rebecca wore nose rings. Okay, I mean, today it's associated maybe with... I don't know. I don't know what, what, what's like today, but I do know that then she was wearing a nose ring. There you go. That was, that was the norm. That was the style. There you go. All right. Um, for whatever it's worth. But look at Rashi on verse 47. Thank Donna, thank you for sharing that about the two bracelets and the two tablets. Again, we just gotta, gotta create stuff. So now, let's take a look at this Rashi about the, 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 um, Eliezer's description of, what, of, of, of how the sequence of events happened. So look what Rashi says. He reversed the, secrets of, uh, the sequence of events. Because in fact, he had first given her the jewelry and then asked her about the family. He was so sure that she was the one, only based on the fact that he asked for a girl that would have a pitcher, would offer water to him and the camels, and, it, and that happened. He was so sure that this was the one, he already gave away the jewelry. He's like, here, take the jewelry. And he's like, oh, wait, hold on. Oh, shoot. One question. Who's your family? Okay, good. Then you then then confirm. But when repeating the story to the family, he wants to sound like more of a level-headed fellow, not an impulsive guy. Right. So he first asks about the family and then he gives the jewelry. Right. But he changed the order lest they catch him in his words and say, how did you give the jewelry when you did not know yet who she was? They didn't want him, they didn't, he, sorry, he did not want them, the family, to ask him the tough question of, how could you give her jewelry if you didn't even know the family? Your master, Abraham, told you that you need to find the girl from his family. And you gave her the jewelry before you asked that question? So he says, I don't want to answer that tough question. Because I had faith, I knew it, but I don't want to have to explain that. So he says, yeah, I asked her first and then gave her the jewelry. We call this a white lie. Is it even a white lie, uh, modification of sequence of events, a slight uh, manipulation of uh, of history, of chronology, whatever? I'll let you choose your phrase. But either way, he's retelling the story to the family. And and really, the emphasis here is on trying to press upon the family how divinely ordained this match is, which means they shouldn't even get in the way of this. Like he's going to ask them for consent, right? This a girl. She, he he's not just taking her away it has to be consensual it has to be the family says yes we like the idea the girl has to say yes right we need that level of consent so eliezer's trying to, to 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 and it's true he's not making it up but he's trying to portray the fact that this is like a miracle this is like absolutely predestined and none of us should ought to stand in the way of this match ray you wanted to jump in
1: um yeah well they they wanted to stand in the way they expected to get gifts from um Eleazar also they were disappointed that he only gave them fruit and and here it says they wanted to poison Eleazar uh, and God sent an angel to kill to kill him
0: the and, the yeah soul. the father
1: uh, I didn't know that
0: yeah, that's what I alluded to before why love was doing the talking. Basically, they try to poison Eliezer and then take all the stuff, all the camels and all the stuff. But then there was the old switcheroo where the angel somehow did the old reverse the meal thing. Hey, we've all seen those movies, right? You reverse it, and then the Basuel dies. Meanwhile, next thing you know, he's out of the picture. Threat is lifted, and now he's negotiating. Eliezer is with Lavan. He's the primary negotiator with this with this match. Yeah, that's from that's from the Midrash. Or the Talmud, one of those two. I was looking before to see if it was in Rashi, and I'm, I'm sure Rashi references it. But I, what, my quick scroll before that probably gave everyone vertigo. Um, I, hopefully not. I, um, I couldn't, I couldn't pull it up. I couldn't see it. Anyway, back to the story. Yeah, that's a fascinating twist in the story. So, 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 so. Okay. So he's telling the story. I saw this girl, asked for water. She gave me the water. She gave the camels the water. I asked, whose daughter are you? She said, the family of Abraham. And so I gave her the jewelry. Verse 48. And I kneeled and prostrated myself to the Lord. I bowed down. And I blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who led me on the true path. See that? He's dropping the hint. Like This is divinely uh, predestined. Who led me on the true path to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. And now, here's the pitch. Here's the pitch. Here's the ask. And now says Eliezer, if you will do loving kindness and truth with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me and I will turn to the right or to the left. In other words, will you do the right thing and be kind to my master Abraham who's trying to find a wife for his son Isaac? This is exactly set up for success. Will you do it? Are you in or are you out? Let me know. Am I going right or left? What's my deal? And Laba and oh no, I'm sorry, Basul is still here. Basul is still here, so he had not died yet. Clearly, he's still alive. All right, but he does die at a certain point. That, that, is, that is certainly um, um, true. At some, at some point, he dies. And Laban and Basul answered and said, The matter has emanated from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, either bad or good. They said, what are you going to say? God clearly wants this. Everything according to what, the story that you told us, everything lines up. So who are we to speak with you bad or good? Behold, they answer. They reply to Him, "Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be a wife for your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. We agree. Take Rebecca, let her be um, let her be a wife for your master's son, for Isaac, just as God. Has spoken just as God has ordained. Now came. Now came. Yeah, right.
1: Um. Well, the, uh, according to this, the the woman Rebecca has to agree, mm. that you can't. That's
0: the, we're gonna you, get. You
1: have to get permission.
0: Yeah, we're gonna get. We're con- not there yet. Not there yet. We're gonna get consent oh, okay. soon. We're, no, we're, but we're gonna get there in a few verses. I'm gonna switch over to the fifth reading, and we're gonna jump right into that. So now it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words, that he prostrated himself on the ground to the Lord. He heard them saying, it's a go, thumbs up, you can take, we're okay with this. He is just overjoyed and overwhelmed and amazed. This is working out exactly as, as, uh, as as it should. And he bows down in gratitude, thanksgiving to Hashem. Fifth reading. Let's continue. And the servant took out silver articles and golden articles and garments. And he gave them to Rebekah. So he gave the silver and gold to Rebecca, And he gave, as Ray said before, delicacies, food, to her brother and to her mother. Brother and mother. What happened to the father? This is where it indicates that he died. You see that? He gives... Gifts of gold, silver and gold to, the, to Rebecca, to the girl. And he only, and he gives delicacies, food to brother and mother. What happened to the dad? Again. He was
1: killed.
0: Yeah. It um,
1: so God sent an angel to kill him.
0: Yeah, right here in Rashi, you could see a few verses later, it says, where was Besuel, where was the father? He wanted to stop Rebecca's marriage, so an angel came and slew him. There you go. The angel was not, was not uh, allowing any dissent over here. Basul changed his mind at some point. The angel says, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Let's continue. So what happens next is they ate and drank. He and the men who were with him. And they lodged and they rose in the morning. So this is now the next day. So day one, he arrives in town, goes to the well, meets the girl, goes home with the girl, speaks to the family, gets their permission. That's it. The next morning, he gets up. And he said, he said to the family, send me away to my master. In other words, I'm going to go and uh, that's it. It's nice. It's, it's been nice meeting you. It's, it's great to meet you. You have a beautiful family and uh, we'll be taking Rebecca. No. And her brother and mother said, no. Let the maiden stay with us a year or 10 months. Afterwards, she will go. So suddenly, I, I don't know if this is called cold feet or just putting the brakes a little bit. Hitting the pause button on this narrative, on this, uh, on, this, on, this uh, on, on on this marriage. What they're saying is, look, you go home to Abraham and let her stay another ten, another year or ten months, and then afterwards she'll 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 go to marry Isaac. Not not the second. Let's wait a year. By the way, you should know that it, there was it was a, a long-standing Jewish tradition. To get to be engaged or betrothed for a full year before the actual completion of the marriage, this is the way it would work. They would get engaged. It was more than engaged. It was actually betrothed with a ring, not just the engagement ring, like a real kedushin ring, like like the one that's done under the chuppah. That was done, and about a year later, they had the um, they had the uh, the full. You know, they would officially be married and live together, etc. So. That's, that's the way it was in, in, in many Jewish communities for many years um, until it got too dangerous to wait a year because people would disappear in a year and, and people would travel or get drafted to the army or a pogrom would break out. And so they just did it today. Nowadays, engagement is engagement, but that's an informal connection. The, the, the wedding under the chuppah, we do both the kedush and the nisuyin, the betrothal and the, and the marriage itself, the finalization of the marriage. So, we do both parts today, but back then it was the, the separated by year. So, what they're saying here is also in a similar way let her stay here for a year and then afterwards she'll go. But they
1: had an ulterior motive.
0: Yeah, for sure. They,
1: they wanted to break the engagement.
0: They wanted to break or they wanted to get more stuff. Yeah, or they wanted to get more stuff. If he has to come back, he has to bring more stuff or appease them or send gifts. You know, a Hanukkah gift, a Pesach gift, a Shavuos gift. Uh, yeah, so they thought on every level. Let's 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 slow this down, but he said to them, "No, do not delay me." By the way, his mistake was staying the night. That's the, right. You, you you get you get a yes. You got to leave that night. You don't don't let the don't let the other one think about it too long. But nonetheless, they uh, spent the night, and by the next morning, they they try to slow it down. So he said to them, "No, do not delay me, since the Lord has made my way prosper." Hashem Darki, Hashem has made me hatslocha, given me success. He's made my way prosper. Don't slow me down. Send me away, and I will go to my master. Send me away with the girl. And they said to him, let us call the maiden and ask her. And this is what Ray mentioned before about her consent. They said, you know what? We say soon. You say now. So let's ask her. And they summoned Rebecca, and they said to her, will you go with this man? What do you want to do? And she said, I will go. Ready, Ready to roll. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. So Rebekah went with her nurse, and Abraham's servant, Eliezer, went with the people that were with him. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, so the family, mother and brother, blessed Rebekah before she left home, and, she, and they said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of myriads, and may your seed inherit the, the cities of their enemies. May your seed inherit the cities of their enemies. You find a lot of biblical blessings talking about enemies, right? May you vanquish the enemies. May you inherit the enemies. May you rule over your enemies. There's a lot of, like, enemy conversation. I guess people had enemies, right? People try to undermine and undercut and destroy others. And the, the idea here is that they were blessing her that you should be, your, your children' descendants should be very populous. And may you inherit the cities of, may your children inherit the city, cities of their enemies.
1: Yeah. Does the fact that she had a nurse maybe reinforce the fact that she that people say she was three? I mean why did she need a nurse?
0: Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Why her nurse? Let's see if there's a Rashi on that explaining nurse. Um
1: Maybe she was three.
0: No no Rashi. I don't know.
1: Maybe a maiden couldn't go off with a man without a chaperone.
0: There you go. That works. Maybe <laughs> her assistant. They call nurse her assistant. Right. right. Her maidservant, nurse. Uh, yeah.
1: I don't now know. By, at this point, was the marriage ceremony formal with a ketubah and everything in this day?
0: Probably not. Probably oh, not. Probably not. Probably not the way we're doing it. We do it. Um, there, I mean, it seems like there was some sort of, I mean, not yet when they would soon, when they're going to meet, uh, Isaac and Rebecca, there was some sort of, some sort of protocol, but not necessarily what we would think of as a Jewish wedding. You know, with the ceremonies that we have. Yeah. I don't believe so. Um, maybe there was a chuppah. Maybe they had some sort of canopy type thing. And, Hard to know. It's probably discussed somewhere. Just have to find that information. (laughs) All right. So they give her a blessing, and that's it. And Rebekah and her maidens arose and rode on the camels. Thank God they had a bunch of camels. And they followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and left. That's it. So she says goodbye to her family. And now she's off with this guy, Eliezer, to meet her future husband. She's agreed to, to marry him without seeing him. I guess maybe it's a pending agreement, right? It's like, yes, but let me see him first. And so they're on the way. Now Isaac was on his way, coming from Be'er Lechai Ro'i, and he dwelt in the land of the south. Isaac was, he was roaming, traveling, wandering, whatever. And Isaac went forth to pray in the field toward evening, because Isaac inaugurated, and created the afternoon prayer. I told you before that Abraham initiated the the morning prayer. Isaac went forth to pray in the field towards evening. Not yet evening, but late afternoon toward evening. And that's the mincha prayer, the afternoon. That's the mincha prayer. And while he's praying, he lifted his eyes and saw, and behold, camels were approaching. He sees, can you imagine? Kind of like the sand. And like the open expanse. And he's praying out there, meditating and praying to God. And he sees in the distance camels approaching. It's a beautiful, it's just, I don't know, it just feels beautiful. And Rebecca lifted her eyes because she's on the camels. So that's, that's eyes. Isaac sees the camels. What about Rebecca? It's like the camera pans to Rebecca, right? Here's the rom-com. Rebecca lifts her eyes and saw Isaac. And she let herself down from the camel. She dismounts from the camel and she said to the servant who is that man walking in the field towards us who is that handsome dashing man <laughs> walking in the field towards us and the servant said that's the guy that's the guy i've been telling you about that's the guy that's he's my master now wasn't his ma- his master was abraham but it's my master's son but anyway he he's the guy he's the and she took the veil and covered herself. So Donna, you asked about wedding traditions. This is the first mention of a veil for a wedding. She took the veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. He told him the whole story. I mean, I, I would say on some level, thankfully we don't, need to, we don't have it again because that would be the third time that we're hearing the story. Right? About what happened. The first time is when it happens. The second time is when Eliezer repeats it to the family. The Torah here tells us, okay, he told Isaac the whole story. And Isaac, this is the extent that we know of the wedding, at least in the written Torah. Isaac brought her to the tent of Sarah, his mother. And he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted for the loss of his mother. That's That's how this piece ends. He brings her to the tent of his mother. We said before that the moms' wives would have different houses, different lodging, or where they do work. It sounds like there's also a tent that his mother had. And uh, yeah, he took her. She became his wife. And he loved her. I mentioned this maybe last year. Interesting order. First she becomes his wife, and then he loves her. Nowadays, we would say, what? First marriage, then love? Are you kidding me? You got to love first. Why would you marry if you don't love her? Okay, listen. Listen. A little biblical marriage advice. There's two types of love. There's two types of love. There's, lo- there's the initial love, which is not really based on a lot of depth necessarily. Yeah. Love at first sight. Really? I mean, is that love at first sight? Are we using maybe the word a little bit incorrectly? Is that love or something else? Is that Desire, infatuation, lust, is it, you know, whatever. You could use a lot of different words. Is that really love? The Torah defines love differently. Clearly, the Torah says that love is what comes after. It's what's born of commitment. It's what's born of share a life shared together. That's what love truly is. Love is the product of commitment and sharing and dedication and devotion and respect. Then you get the love. Love comes after, not before. What comes before? Attraction, compatibility. Lots of things come before. But love? Love is what happens after. I know it's a semantic thing, but I think there's also a lot of depth to that as well. It's a Jewish perspective on love, and relationships. It's like... Anyway, some, something to think about. There's a, we could elaborate on that a lot, but we've, we've, we do a lot of talking about relationships, so hopefully that will suffice okay
1: that's one of the songs in fiddler on the roof right do you love me after 25 years
0: yes yes thank you for referencing that yes (laughs) after 25 years yeah cooking and all the stuff that i do for you do i love you kidding me right (laughs) (laughs) what is that what is all that if not love Right, it's like I, I don't. I'm not trying to 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 be negative or belittle, but the love that we think of typically as love, that like early relationship romantic love, it's there's an immaturity to that. In other words, it's not a mature. Again, I'm not trying to to be negative here. I'm just saying, if we're being honest, it's not a mature love. It's not a love. It's something else. It's nice. It's great. It's a maybe a critical first ingredient, but it's not. It's not what It's not what the Torah calls love. Yeah, joy.
1: My grandmother used to say, love will come.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Love will come. Give it time. <laughs> but by the way, that's a powerful thing. Because there's a story, Mrs. Sharfstein. Um Trying to remember how she's related to Rabbi Sharfstein from Georgia Tech. Anyway, uh, Mrs. Sharfstein, she had a very close with the Lubavitcher Rebbe, very close with the Rebbe. Her father died at a, when she was very young, and the, fa- the Rebbe was her father figure. She went to him for very personal questions, and like he really was was like a father figure to her. Really cared about her, um, like personally. And so she tells the story. You could probably find it. Sharp Mrs. Sharpstein, Rebbe Love, if you put those words in. She tells a story, she's interviewed, tells a story about how she was dating and she went to the Rebbe and she said, you know, I don't know, because like that was her father. It was like the Rebbe was her, was her actor. so she says, you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't love him. Rebbe says, are you, like, do you read books? Yeah, do you read, like, romance novels? Yeah, he's like, that's your problem. <laughs> that's the problem. You're reading romance novels and you're thinking that's love. That's not love. That's romance novels. That's something else. Um, but that's the idea here. The idea is that we, society calls that love, but that's not what Torah calls love. Torah calls love what happens after. After you're committed. After you share life together. After you're, you're dedicated, devoted, respectful to the other person. That's, that, that's what love is. The end product of that. That's love. What's it before? I don't know. But that's not love. This is love. Okay, so she took the advice and whoever she married, she married. Okay, back to the story of Mrs. Sharfstein. Not Rebecca. We know who she married. She married um, She married Isaac. Mrs. Sharfstein married Rabbi Sharfstein. That's the, that's the end of that story. Okay, um, the question is, should we close out or do six? Let me just, uh, I'm just going to peek, sneak peek at six. Let me see how long six is and seven. So I see, because we're not meeting tomorrow. So we have to figure out if we're okay Friday doing 6-7 and hour. It's a lot. Um, yeah, we're fine. Two very short readings. Okay, two short readings and we'll do hour. And the, the readings here are like a lot of family trees. A lot of like kids and whatever and, and Ishmael's kids and all that stuff. Right? Ishmael's children, which we're not going to spend a lot of time on. We're just going to list names. Okay, so we're good for Friday. Good. I'm very comfortable stopping here. So what we did today is readings number four and five. We read basically the the conclusion of the story, the the grand shidduch, the first match in Jewish history, the first shidduch. Isaac and Rebecca, Eliezer, successful mission, seals the deal. I mean, there's a lot of drama. I mean, it's it's not just... Rom-com. This is drama. This is like, uh, I mean, there's like poisoning and assassination attempts and angels slewing people and it's like there's a lot of drama here. What's the moral of the story? Moral of the story is number one, believe in God, trust in God. Eliezer trusted in God. He, he wasn't perfect. He did question what if it doesn't work out, but ultimately he trusted in God. He made a deal. He trusted with God and God provided. But we also see the initiative. Even though he trusted in God, he put in the sweat. He put, he, he schwitzed this out. He negotiated hard with the family. The family says, eh, not going to happen. Come back in a year. He could have said, all right, I tried. I tried. I, I sold it. I tried. And they didn't say no. It's going to be a year 10 months. He pushes, pushes, pushes. He says, come on, guys. God wants this. God wants this. Make it happen. Let's go. Let's go. He sells it. They ask her. She agrees. Deal is done. It reminds us. So this is what I want to focus on in addition to all the other wonderful messages about miracles and love and all that other good stuff. Here's the point. We need to balance our trust in Hashem with putting in the, putting in the work. It's a theme that I mentioned last night in our Outsmarting anti-Semitism class, and it's coming up again today. We have to trust and believe and have faith in God, but know that Hashem wants us to do the work. Don't worry. Don't worry. For those taking the class tomorrow, I didn't give too much away. Don't worry. I didn't give away the whole plot. But it's, it's, it's marrying right? both ideas, the trust and the work. Like the famous story with the guy in the flood in the helicopter. You know this one? There's a flood and the, the news, the everyone should evacuate. And this guy says, I'm not evacuating. I, I trust in God. The waters rise. He goes upstairs to the roof. They say, come, let's go. Nope. I trust in God. Boat Rescue boats come. Nope. I trust in God. Helicopters come. Nope. I trust in God. He dies. He dies. Yeah, he comes up to heaven and says, I need to speak with God. Sure. Do you have an appointment? No, but it's urgent. Okay, fine. Come in. He says to God, how could you? How could you? I trusted in you. I believed in you. I professed my faith in you. And what happened? I'm dead. God says, what? You didn't get my news broadcast, the boat or the, the helicopter that I sent for you. Bro. So here's the point. We believe in trust in God, but at the same time, we have to also take some some initiative, right? And put in the effort on our own. We got to be equal partners. So we got to put in, we got to also put in the effort. This is the message of Eliezer. Eliezer was the bomb. I love this guy. Eliezer did not stop until he sealed the deal. He had a mission. He got it done. By hook or by crook, he got it done. Basul had to be taken out. That's fine. For this, at least, I mean, can't say that's fine, but... Okay, for, the, for the, uh, the objective, that's what needed to happen. That's what God said needed to happen. The bottom line is, it got done, and uh, they lived happily ever after. Okay, that's it for today. Tomorrow, no DPP. JLI class instead, with lunch. Th- uh, Friday, 6-7-haftorah. Good? Don't forget tonight, 7.30. Set your alarms for 728. 730, join me for Torah studies. The class will be all about the name of the Torah portion, Chayi Sarah, and the lessons that we can learn from the life and, and legacy of Sarah as distinct from Abraham. Typically, we, we put them together, Abraham and Sarah, and their tent and their mission, their shared mission. But as we learn tonight, they each have their own way of doing things and they represent different qualities complimentary but different qualities which we will elaborate upon tonight so join me tonight torah study, 7 30 p.m eastern standard time and of course this time of year we have to end off with two words go braves good? good sounds good all right great to see you all great to study joy donna sarah ray Olia. have a wonderful day take care
1: thank you very much. pleasure thank you. Right.
0: see you guys